0: Off top, in 1991, Syracuse, New York passed a resolution making snow illegal. It'll all make sense later in the podcast, I promise. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, so apparently the Washington football team is exploring being sold. All right, that's what the release was. I don't understand putting that out unless it's... Because everyone seems skeptical about it. I don't understand putting that out unless it's, like, something you sincerely intend to do, particularly given that Daniel Snyder probably knows how people feel about him. And we're both in D.C., and it feels like a joyous occasion the way people are reacting. How do you feel as as a Washington football fan?
1: I uh, I would like to take this moment to... <laughs> celebrate i would uh i'd like to thank you all of espn every other investigative reporter that has exposed oh, daniel gosh. snyder for all of his uh pernicious deeds uh that's probably letting him off too light but yeah
0: i'm back We're back. (laughs) We're back, baby. Well, we're going to get into AFC. And honestly, like I I was prepping for talking about all the AFC divisions like we did on Tuesday for the NFC. But then I started leaning more towards just talking about the two big dogs and how everyone else in the um, division, excuse me, in the conference relates to them. So we'll get to that at some point. We'll do our bets at the end. But first, my thoughts on the Daniel Snyder thing and the Washington thing. It's a point I've made on here before is uh, there hasn't been – anyone, any black owner in football and I think that this is the perfect opportunity to make sure that happens if you're an NFL. And to be clear, I don't think it's because it represents some sort of progress as much as it benefits the NFL more than it benefits anyone else is it speaks to them maybe being a little bit more progressive and issues of race is something that they do not look good on, particularly when it comes to leadership. But uh, DC is unique. I, I live here, I've lived here for a while. my wife and her family grew up here. Uh, and it's unique because it's a wealthy city and it's very black. It's not predominantly black anymore, but it's still very black. and it's black and professional and wealthy, the city and the surrounding areas. It's a place where the mayor's black, the chief of police is black, the like chief Justice of the DC Supreme Court is black. The senator who doesn't have a vote because we're not a state, that's a whole nother issue. She's black. And you can, it's a place where you can have black lawyers, black doctors, black dentists. It's, it's rare. And I don't know, maybe people who are not black do not think about these sorts of things. But I grew up in Baltimore, which is more black than D.C., but not nearly as um, professional and successful. I think in large part because Howard University is here in D.C. and a lot of really successful people come out of there. But it's hard anywhere else to, like, find uh, that type of, like, black success and wealth and so i say all that to say i've mentioned this before also on this podcast is that the history of race with this team the washington football team was the last team professional football to have a black player because of that the local black fans who would have been dc fans became cowboys fans and they wouldn't let their kids be dc fans they became cowboy fans too and it passed on to now little 10 year old kids that I know are like, nah, we can't root for the Washington team. We root for the Cowboys because the Cowboys had successful black players that would come to DC D. and whoop this team's ass. And that's what kind of became the team of the local black fan base. So I say this as advice to the NFL, because it helps them, as I mentioned before, more than helps anyone else is like, it's a dormant fan base that could be won back over with uh A simple decision so we're not going to dive too deep into that maybe for another podcast because i'm sure it's going to come up again at some point let's get back to the football now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical Fruit finished, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/df today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelphelp.com/df.
0: So, there are two teams that If you got any sense in the AFC, you believe that one or both of them are going to be in the championship game, and absolutely one of them is going to be in the Super Bowl. It's the Chiefs and the Bills. And we can start with the Bills uh, because I think they are clearly the team to beat by everyone's measure, in part because they beat the Chiefs this year and they've just been throttling people all year long. So I was trying to figure out what are the teams, what are the types of teams that will give the Bills, that could give the Bills trouble in the playoffs. And it starts by looking at what their weaknesses are, I guess. And they don't run the ball well, with the exception of Josh Allen. <laughs> when he runs the ball, he runs it really well. They have a strong like offensive line. They're a well-coached team. And I think that, well, a strong defensive line. Their offensive line isn't terrible. And they're a well-coached team. And I think those are things that could speak to, uh, that could challenge them as a team that, kind of focuses on running the ball well? Because I think I kind of came up with a, a thesis for the Bills or like their strategy to me. If you watch their games and you look at the way their stats break down, it seems like what they're saying is we're going to allow you to run the ball, but you're not going to be able to outscore us playing, playing into our hands. We're going to play two safeties back. They play over 50% of two high safeties, which is the highest in the league of any team. And they're gambling that you won't be able to go six, seven yards a pop and outscore them with Josh Allen on the other side, slinging around to Gabe and Stefan. And it seems to have panned out well for them so far. But I think it's in large part because everyone they force everyone to play their game because they always score first. I think they've scored first in six of they're, I guess we're at week eight or we, we're going into week nine. So they've had eight games. They scored first and six of those games. They lost one game and they scored second in the Ravens game, but they ended up winning, which kind of leads me to the types of teams that could give them trouble are the teams that are completely fine with playing that way. they like show up and want to run the ball because no one really wants to run the ball except for we're back to the Ravens and the Browns are kind of, and I, I think the chiefs, are the only other team that has the firepower and the quarterback to be able to outscore them potentially that can play the bill style and still win. So that's what it boils down to to me is those three teams are the teams. And I guess I could throw the Titans in there, too, because they do want to run the ball, too. But I I don't see them in the same talent, talent talent echelon as. The Browns, even though their defense hasn't played well, they're talented on defense. You could imagine a game plan that could sh- they could show up and have a good game against Josh Allen. And the same with the Ravens is they went and got Roquan Smith, which I think in part is because their division rival, the Browns, like to run the ball. And also because Roquan is sideline to sideline and big as hell and could potentially spy Josh Allen and blitz Josh Allen and not be uh, outrun or run over. So – um, I got a lot of thoughts. I don't want to keep rambling, but yeah, w- what do you think about what I presented so far? Well, so I, I think this is a this is actually the way to look at the conference. Rather
1: than the divisions themselves, I I have some interesting questions about the AFC West, mm-hmm. but we'll get there. Um I wanna start with the the Bills because I think the the question of the AFC, which is I think we can both agree is a far more competitive conference than the NFC, is really can right. you beat the Bills? Because you you tier it as the Bills and the Chiefs as the top, and those are clearly the two best teams. But I think it's really the Bills and then a teardrop, then the Chiefs, then a teardrop. Um, and I was trying to think of how do the Bills lose? Because that's really the, the interesting question that's going to loom over the AFC playoffs when we get there. And honestly, that's sort of the interesting question for the rest of the regular season as we look at them going forward. And so I looked at the Miami game, the one game they've lost, and I reminded myself, oh, we can't take anything away from this, because that was a total fluke where they outgained them 3x in that game, and it was really touchdown luck and regression of how, how they lost.
0: And so I came to a,
3: also, a couple heat ex- Also heat choose. exhaustion
0: in that game,
3: too. Heat exhaustion, bad luck, But I mean, cetera, to, to be fair,
0: Josh Allen put up numbers, but I don't think he played well in that game. And it was a while ago, so I could be right. misremembering, but I feel like that was the game when he was bouncing balls off a of defender's chest, and they weren't catching him. So it was kind of a, a a miracle that they were still in the game by the end of it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'll, I'll look it up anyway. Go ahead. No, no, no. I think that's that's the, definitely the correct take. That was not a not the
1: not the best Josh Allen game. But what I came down to is one: can you force the Bills to run the ball? I know they addressed that at the trade deadline. By the way, awesome that we finally got an NFL yeah. trade deadline. But they addressed it with Hakeem yeah. Hines. Um, yeah, okay. Who is really a carbon copy of what they tried to draft with James Cook, who hasn't really panned out so far. And is is Josh Allen's never going to be a check down guy. So I don't really know what that means. And then two, the question I have is you're you're saying they want to force teams to run the ball against them. But what happens if their secondary continues to go down the path of bad injury luck? That to me, when I when I circled something on this team, it's what happens if they get too injured in the secondary and start having teams throw the ball against them. Cause that's the sort of ethereal magical quality that Patrick Mahomes has where he can light up if there's a weakness. Right. The so secondary. they
0: lost Hyde, one of their, one of their top level safeties for the year. He's on IR. Poyer uh, went down last week and I, I think he's day to day. So it doesn't seem like the MRI was um, too problematic. Uh Trey white is their best corner. He's going to come back at some point off her ACL. So who knows what they expect from them and everyone else uh, in the corner, their cornerbacks are inexperienced. So when you watch them play, I, I don't mean any disrespect to their safeties. They're very good, but I think that they, what they ask of their secondary is not that much. And you'll hear me talk about this. When I talk about offenses or defenses is you have to find a place to put the pressure. And some group or some player is going to have to carry a disproportionate amount of pressure. That's what they're asking their D line to do. So I actually think that that that's the more concerning injury place because what they're asking of their safeties in their corners is not easy, but it's not nearly as challenging as what they're asking of their D line. And sometimes their linebackers Uh, Milano falls in that category as a, a guy who's been dealing with an injury that could be a problem for their going for them going forward. So I think that with losing their safeties, they lose some experience, intelligence, obviously um, big play making skills. But I don't think that they lose a ton. If they can get Trey White back near his level, that gives them some more defensive flexibility so that they can um, adjust to take some of the pressure off of the linebackers and some of the and, and the defensive line in the corners. But I honestly am less scared about what happens to their secondary because we've seen them survive with a kind of depleted secondary up until this point. I'm more concerned about if that D line can stay healthy and if that D line can be effective. And if a a team does not neutralize their D line by doing the things that they don't really want to do. And that's why it goes back to my point is they're challenging you to beat them in their style. We're going to score. If I'm the bills, this is what it seems like they're saying. We're going to score early and often and force you to drop back and, then allow us and force you to try to protect against our defensive line. If there is a team that is comfortable running the ball, like shows up wanting to run the ball, then it requires the Bills to do things that they don't want to do. Because the Browns, I think, are fine with handing it to Chubb 15 times a quarter if they have to. You're They're going to make you stop it. And yeah. obviously the Ravens, too, are fine with running the ball all game they will have to do something that they're uncomfortable with, which then exposes the outside edges. So, like, I, I, I'm less concerned. with the, I know it seems counterintuitive, but I'm less concerned with the secondary injuries because uh, I think that the pressure is not on them. And, yeah, I'd be really concerned with the D-line injuries. I'd be really concerned if something happens to those receivers because it seems like Josh Allen really needs them and values them, and th- that's the recipe to their – offense so i don't know i i it down to three teams it's the browns which they may not even make the playoffs the ravens really yeah that's that's the ravens who um oh you want to come back to the browns? So let's come let me run through these teams real quick and we'll come back to the browns if or yeah. whichever team you find most interesting the ravens who had them beaten and like you could point to the Lamar interception in the end zone to get the touchback on fourth down to be the problem. You could point to the the like phantom roughing the passer call that gave the Bills a first down on that final drive when it was like third and plus 10. I, I think it was. Um, but either way, they they seem like pretty closely matched teams in that game. Uh, and then there's, I guess, the Dolphins you could throw in there as a team that's gotten better that may be able to compete because it's another team that I think could potentially have the firepower to score with them and adding and Chubb gives them some help on defense. All right. And like I mentioned, KC is a team that can score with them. All right. So why do yeah. you, which one do you want to dive deep more deeply into?
1: Okay. So like, I think we should go down that list, but the, so I had only
0: two and a half teams that I actually thought
1: mm-hmm. could beat the bills. Um, I think that the Chiefs can beat them because Patrick Mahomes is incredibly special. I wish, I wish that they had traded for Brandon Cooks at the trade deadline, but I'm very excited to see Kadarius Tony. Um, I just wish they had more weapons outside of Kelsey um, for Mahomes to distribute the ball to, who can really be explosive in space. I think that I actually think, in theory, the Dolphins can beat them, and that sounds crazy because. You know, they have a minus 14 point differential on the year, but a lot of that's when Tua wasn't in the lineup. Their offense just looks so much better when Tua is out there. And I know he's been like a lightning rod for how you evaluate quarterbacks, but they have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Kill. And that's a complete, you know, force of destruction that can beat any team if they're peaking at the right time. And then the team that I had like as a half team that could beat them was the Ravens. And I say that because they just haven't been that good. I know that their DVOA says their offense has been incredibly efficient, but I don't look at them as having peaked in the same way as those other teams. And the defense has been bad. Roquan Smith is fascinating to me because that's a position that's been like really undervalued around the league as an, as an interior linebacker. And they gave up a second round pick for him. And I look back and it's like, eh, he's one of the best two or three guys in the league at that position. And he's a coverage linebacker and Patrick Queen has been not great, uh, according to all the, all the football nerds. So, I'm pretty fascinated by, by that team, but I hadn't even considered the Browns. I hadn't even considered them. And I don't know if that's just cause we haven't, you know, we've all collectively blocked out the fact that Deshaun Watson is going to play for that team in a few weeks. Um, but I'm fascinated that you think that that could be a team that sneaks into the playoffs and ends up being a really tough. Yeah. Game. I mean, I, I,
0: again, it's about the, the matchups to me and I, if you would have asked me this morning before I started like doing the research for the show, like who could the Browns give the Bills a hard time, I would have laughed at you and said hell no. But then I started to look at the what I believe to be like the the theory of, or I mean not theory, the strategy of the the Browns, and it seems like it plays into the hands of the Browns. And they have talent on defense that would be required. Like, there's a chance that, that Miles Garrett can just take over a game. And so, like, okay. I would not pick the Browns, but after thinking about it and depending on what Deshaun Watson is when he comes back, it <laughs> it's not going to be an easy out if they manage to find their way into the playoffs. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if there's much to say about the Chiefs because I think we all just believe in Patrick Mahomes, but the the Chiefs and the Bills seem like the same team statistically. When you look at it, they're both top two offenses in the league. They're both incredibly good on third down. And honestly, another thing I, I like to look at down set conversion rate, which like to me is it's just when they get a new set of downs, how likely are they to convert? They're one and two in that. If you do a downstack conversion rate in two downs, they are one and two in that. So, like, they just skip third down altogether. These teams are really good and really efficient offensively. The difference is in their defense. The Bills' defense is much better um, statistically and by all the analytic metrics than the Chiefs' defense. But I think that it, in part, that's tied to the scoring first aspect, is I think both of these teams are constructed defensively to play with the lead and the Bills are playing with the lead a lot more often than the Chiefs are and the Chiefs are being asking their defense to do things that they don't really want to do and they aren't really built to do so I don't know I think that we might be getting a bit uh, we might be a little off on the the gap between them defensively because I think they're like like 20 spots apart in the ranking if you go by expected Points. I don't think they're that different in talent. And we saw when they played each other, they were pretty close. But yeah. the other team that can kind of beat the Bills is a low pressure system, like snow, frankly. Yeah.
1: Is, <laughs> is the only thing
0: in, in Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo the city can be Buffalo the team. Right. It's like it's the only um it's the the Aaron Rodgers dilemma, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like you want to get home field advantage, but do you? Like I feel like given the way that they're built to play a snowstorm is the worst thing they want. They want a clean, right. fast track, no wind, warm weather. Like they almost rather be in Miami. I know they didn't like it last time they were there, but that was in September.
1: I love this. I love this is a, a take that uh, we share with with Mina, which is build a dome in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> I mean, they should for him at least. I um, I want to hop back to the Chiefs for a second. Because I, I have a zoom out take that I think is really interesting that goes to the AFC West. Remember, we were calling them the group of death before the season. Mm-hmm. And we thought, I mean, sort of tongue in cheek, but we thought three, maybe four teams could even make the playoffs in that division. And what I think is actually interesting about the Chiefs compared to the Bills, the Bills are in an, an emergingly good division mm-hmm. where, yeah, they're going to be the dominant team. But we think the Dolphins are pretty good. Yeah. And you know, continue to use their trade assets in pretty interesting ways. Uh, We think the Patriots are well coached and who knows what that's going to be. They're enigmatic at this point, but we also think the Jets have a good defense and Zach Wilson stinks, but we're going to figure that out. But then you look at the AFC West, the division that we thought was going to be the most competitive division in the conference. It's sort of the least competitive. And I say that because they have the Raiders who went all in for this yeah. They have the Broncos who went all in for Russ. And I think it's a really interesting conversation. to wonder if this is just who he is moving forward. And then and then, the
0: and then they traded Bradley Chubb, which is, right. I know, maybe I'm reading a little too much into this, but trading Bradley Chubb suggests that they are out on this season. I know that they may not have wanted to extend him long-term and they brought in Randy Gregory. But if you're, you think that you could possibly make a run this year, you don't trade away any anybody that you think can help you and Bradley Chubb is certainly one of those guys so anyway
1: yeah and then and so i I want to circle back on on the Broncos a tiny bit but also then the Chargers and the Chargers I think we can agree have a top five quarterback in the NFL top five top six-ish guy in Justin Herbert but they've built a team that has the two slowest good receivers in the NFL and it's built around checkdowns to uh, Austin Eckler and that team is not ready and I say that because the reason the Patriots won so many Super Bowls was they were one of the best teams every year and they're always in position to win the Super Bowls because they are always in the final four. And the Chiefs, compared to the Bills, to me, actually, when you zoom out and you look at these potential two emerging dynasties, if you look at if they actually are positioned in a way, because this was supposed to be their rebuilding year. This right. is the year they uploaded Tyreek. This is the year they are changing their system to be more sustainable over the long term. Like if this is their worst chance to win a Super Bowl because Buffalo is so good and because they're rebuilding that dynamic is going to shift over time you'd think because of the way the chiefs have positioned themselves and because of the fact that they should be in a much easier division
0: which we would have said the exact
1: opposite before the year
0: yeah that's that's interesting because you're you're right they uh it's nobody in their division that's going to challenge them that's And I guess we feel the same way about Buffalo, but there are emerging teams that could be uh, an issue. The idea that the, the, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising because nobody will be surprised if Patrick Mahomes continues to go to Super Bowls and win, but you're right. We thought that the AFC East was just going to go from Belichick to Allen and not be, Competitive at all, but there's a there's a path for a challenger to them that seems clearer than the path is in the West. Deception of the Broncos are really talented, man. Like I I I was on the verge of putting them in the conversation for a team that could challenge just because of the talent, but they just don't care and they're not well coached. And I feel like when you get to the playoffs, that coaching matters a lot more. And uh, as good as that defense is and as talented as their defense is, I do think that their ability to play man coverage could give problems to uh, the Ravens in particular, if they see them in the playoffs or assuming the Broncos get there, which is, I think according to Five Thirty Eight, a slim chance, but they do have the talent to give people trouble and they have receiver talent and, Russell still shows up, or at least it seemed like for one week he showed up at the end of a game. So, yeah, it's just wishful thinking. Never mind. They stink.
1: No, no. <sighs> the, the Russell thing is interesting, though, because I, he's probably a first foul Hall of Fame quarterback and he's 33 years old. And while that's old by the old standards of football, we've seen not just brady but a lot of quarterbacks succeed at high levels from age 33 to 38 i thought he's gonna have like four or five more years where he was good um and i i do think it's actually an interesting conversation at some point to wonder if this is just the new russell wilson if he's permanently going to be a below average nfl quarterback someone who's not additive whatsoever or if this is a blip on the radar and we're going to look up in a couple of years and it's actually a, a good team i guess we there's no answer for that but it's 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 something that's not. That's a story that's not going away with yeah. this contract.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I, I, as I feel like this this thing that you just presented is interesting because it's a bit shocking, but it could flip just as quickly mm-hmm. back to the Bills having an e- easy division if the Jets don't figure it out at quarterback. At least get like a mediocre game manager player, then, or even if they get that, I don't know. Then they're not going to be an issue. The Patriots have been trying to recover from Tom Brady for quite some time, and the Bills have not seemed to have much trouble with the Patriots, uh, particularly in a playoff game last year when I think Josh Allen scored was it 19 touchdowns, something like that. <laughs> and yeah, so I don't know. I, I I like it as a as a thought exercise, but I'm not sure that it's actually going to pan out to be the problem. I I feel like I have more hope that yeah. they'll figure it out in uh in Denver and. the chargers not the raiders before that they figured out in the afc east it's i mean
1: it's fascinating it's also like this is shows how much more valuable the one seed is now yeah
2: just one buy yeah just one buy yeah
3: Can we go Miami
0: for a second with the, not yes. the Chubb conversation. I think that that's probably been talked about ad nauseum and we all understand how important a pass rusher is adding to this defense that I think is underachieved so far. It's going to be nice to have another piece that could be, it could be a force multiplier and make everybody a whole lot better on that team. However, the Wilson edition is what I'm interested in because the Shanahan system that the hallmark of it is being able to produce a running attack even when you don't have super talented people Uh, either, even at offensive line or running back, it's like the zone blocking scheme is supposed to be able to create uh, gaps. As long as you run it properly, they haven't been able to run the ball despite the fact that they've been really good offensively. And uh, Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator in San Francisco before he came over, they haven't been able to run the ball. And we pointed out that the bill's biggest issue is stopping the run. This is an important addition. If, uh and Wilson is going to make is if he's a guy which he is he comes from San Francisco so um potentially he understands the scheme if he's a guy who's going to make their run game good that changes the dynamics because as one of our other favorite recurring themes is taking pressure off your quarterback as good as two has been if there's another valve to take even more pressure off of him it's just going to make him even better if he can hand it off and make for and and make for a more manageable situations and also big plays on occasion that's another hallmark of uh, a well-run zone blocking scheme is sometimes you'll crack it for a big run if you catch somebody out of your gap so that's uh probably the the trade that people are talking about the least but it's one that i think is interesting and i'm excited to see how it pans out
1: yeah, it's just balance too. Like they have Mostert, who's like always a risk of not playing for a couple of weeks. He's been pretty injured, but he's a he is a home run hitter. He's super fast. Um, and adding Jeff Wilson to this, like to me, it just seems that Miami is has stockpiled so much talent around the quarterback position. Like it almost seems like a seven on seven team when you have Gasicki, Tyreek Hill, uh Jalen Waddle, Jeff Wilson, and Mostert you have a lot of guys who can churn out first downs and that's, that is really fascinating with a quarterback that, I don't know. I think the the two conversation I'm a little bit confused by, it cause it's, he's so polarizing for no reason. I guess he's so polarizing because he's not as good as Justin Herbert is really what it comes down to. Um, but he is very good. And this goes back to a conversation we talked about a couple of days ago. His command of the offense is better than his command of the football. And him, his decision-making is really advanced for his age. And I find that fascinating because that's all you need with that talent.
0: I mean, it's the same thing that we talked about on Tuesday with Jalen Hurts. <laughs> his, yeah, Jalen Hurts has a, an extra ability, the running ability that Tua has to a much, much smaller degree. But they traded places in college, but now it seems like a similar thing is happening is they're both very very good decision makers and seem comfortable mm-hmm. and understand this offense and have been surrounded by really really good players. Uh, Jalen Hurts has the offensive line to help him more than Tua's offensive line helps him, but the scheme that we see week to week and the pressure that the speed puts on the opposing defense makes Jalen excuse me, makes uh, Tua's life so much easier. It is going to be really interesting and exciting when these teams, assuming they all do, get into the playoffs to see how they match up and to see what teams do against them. It's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the coaching, I think, is a big thing. Sometimes the fundamentals are things we overlook that matter a lot when you get into those big game situations. So I think well-coached teams is not just about coming with a good scheme, but it's also about having a team that coaching is not just making the calls on Sunday coaching is prepping guys during the week and making sure that there are no mistakes made on the field yes that falls on the players but it also falls on how they're being taught and it's not a coincidence that certain teams seem to have fewer blown coverages and fewer mistakes and fewer and much less confusion on the field it's because I think they're well coached during the week and I think it matters it also speaks to the losing safeties for the bills and losing secondary players. Those are normally the guys, the safeties are normally the guys who are making the calls and checks. If you can move, if you lose them and you have to put someone else in there, who's less comfortable, who's seen fewer things, it takes things out of your playbook that you're not able to do. It's not something that gets like talked about a lot because I don't know that people know it, but it matters and simple things like discipline and mistakes and good tackling and boring special teams. They never get, we never write stories about them, but those things decide more playoff games in my view than like the big quarterback differential. Cause most of the time you get to the good games, the important games, both quarterbacks are pretty damn good. And what's going to stop them is going to be these other small things. Okay. So I want to do one
1: exercise to put a bow on this, because I think that we know the AFC picture is pretty clear at this point to us. And I'm going to put the bills at the top. And then I want to ask you how shocked you'd be if this team ended up in a game with the Bills in the AFC Championship, and then how shocked you'd be if they beat them, knowing it's a one-game sample and things can happen that are crazy. And let's go. One, not shocked at all. Ten, I would be like, you know, sh** my pants. Like the Texans got there. Right. Okay. Okay. So Chiefs. One. Yeah. Okay. That's an easy one. Then let's go Dolphins three. And if they beat the Chiefs. Or then if they beat the Bills. Three. Three on both. Okay. Ravens. Three. Okay. Same with the Ravens. Okay. Let's go down. Let's go down a tier here. Okay. And let's go to the Browns. This is this is the Browns on the
0: Yeah. Team. This is like I've I feel like I should say a very low number because it will be more shocking. But I even think presenting it as a possibility makes it shocking enough. So I put Seven. them below the I put them at four because they're below the Ravens as far as shock, below the Ravens and um and Dolphins for me. And now I have a couple other teams
1: that we haven't talked about,
0: okay. but I think could be
1: around the playoff picture. Titans, they're gonna win the division. Seven. Okay. The Chargers, because they have a top five quarterback. Six, I guess, just because of the talent. <laughs> and then the last one the AFC Super Bowl representative, the Bengals,
0: because they're still sort of lurking around. Yeah, I'll put them with the Titans. I mean, even if they get chased back, because they want to play at their best. They play like the Bills. So I don't see them beating the Bills, particularly with the way that they, um, they look offensively. Is I see, yeah, i put them with the Titans at seven. I don't see them having the ability to hang with the Bills with the way that their offensive line is up and down and the way their defense looked against the Browns. Maybe it's recency bias, but yeah, I don't see that happening.
1: I think I'm at a 10 on everyone past the Dolphins.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that includes the Ravens. Yeah, that's probably fair. I'm surprised that uh, the Ravens, that you're on at a 10 for the Ravens. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm shocked. You'd be really surprised even after the game that they had against each other. Yeah,
1: I, if we looked up and the Ravens are in the Super Bowl this year, I'd be like,
0: yeah, they had that's two fair. of
1: those games in a row against the Chiefs and the Bills. You just said beat the Bills. You didn't say to go to the No, but Super they had Bowl. to get there first. They had to uh, get there and then to beat uh, the Bills. Man,
0: so. yeah, that's going to be really tough. I mean, somebody getting I, – I, I think I got 80% chance that it's either the Chiefs or the Bills. I got to hold yeah. out – some twenty percent for like catastrophic something. I don't know. There's just a, a the flu ravages one of these rosters and they get knocked out, of both of them are at a at a New Year's Eve party and just get drunk and all get arrested. That's the only way that I see neither team making it. All right, mm-hmm. what else we got? You want to get straight to the bets? We got anything else? Yeah, you let's do a couple of bets. Let's do a couple of bets.
1: Um, so the first one I want to look at. Is the Seahawks. Um they're playing the Cardinals this weekend, and they're two and a half point underdogs. And I think we should just take the odds. I just think they're better than the Cardinals, period. And I would pick them to win on the money line on the road.
0: Hmm.
1: You can talk me off of it. We can keep it.
0: Uh I want to talk you off of this one. Okay. I mean, I I don't think they're that much better than the Cardinals, and they're going on the road. I think. We are higher on them because our expectations was was lower for them, and they're doing better than we anticipated. And the opposite is true for the Cardinals. I, I, they seem pretty close, and the way Hopkins has changed his team since he's been back, he hasn't even been back that long, and he's really uh, had an impact and Kyler could go off at any moment. Their defense is talented and occasionally is good. Like I don't love this with a young Seahawks team on the road. That is like right. getting a lot of hype because we thought because we were wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Know? So yeah, let's let's back off of that and you can you can clown me if I if I cost us some no, money no, on that one.
1: This is, you you saved this last week. I, you picked uh, the Patriots Jets game. That was like had no idea how it was going to go. Um so we have the Panthers. Playing the Bengals. They are seven and a half point dogs. Oh. I think that one's fascinating because the the Bengals don't have Jamar Chase and they looked horrible and broken last week. And the Panthers looked a lot better with P.J. Walker. Could take him at seven and a half. I think it's a solid bet. Or if we a little bit spicy, we could take him to win the game at plus 280.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. And, you know,
1: bet 100, win 280. Not bad for the, that odds in that game. Yeah, I
0: know we don't... Um... We don't respect home field advantage nearly as much as we used to, but where uh, where is this game being played? It's in Cincinnati. All right, give me the Panthers plus seven and a half. I don't want the money line. I want Panthers plus seven and a half. I
1: think that's fair. We'll lock that one in. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, a little last cautious. Last and a half for you.
0: All right, give it to me. Last and a half
1: for you. A game that we thought before the season was going to be like an iconic game. Rams and Bucks. We don't know if Cooper Cup is going to play the bucks offense is broken the rams offense is broken under 42 and a half points
0: yeah i like that i like that our last under bet though we lost because with the the patriots went off right and scored a bunch of points but we lost
1: because we didn't have any idea that that justin fields and the bears were going to figure it out
0: that's right it wasn't the patriots it was the patriots yeah. game the bears went off okay yeah i like this i think betting unders is a good place to to get some dubs even though it didn't work last time all right so we're in for two bets this week and that about it thanks charlie anything you want to plug
1: rate subscribe review to this podcast and subscribe to the debatable feed for more dominique foxworth
0: and a little bit more of me sometimes yeah you get some pablo too all right thanks christina sarah parker addy is that did i miss anybody everyone who's worked on the show this week i appreciate you all and thank everybody for listening See you next time. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.